Anger is usually a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So our anger can often disguise what's really going on, our primary emotions. Or we can be confused about what we or someone else is feeling as anger, but it's really something else. Might be frustration or sadness or grief. Often it's fear or offense or shame or hurt or guilt or frustration or even deep disappointment. The key to understanding the problem of anger is to start to see anger as an opportunity to look deeper into ourselves and into the heart of God. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, here's another episode of the podcast. Together, I'm so glad you're with me. How's your week going? I hope it's well. I have to say I am feeling so much better this month. I'm healing up. I don't know if you follow me closely, you know that like back in the fall, I had some sort of uh, tummy issues, some gastrointestinal types of things. And I actually had to do part of an episode of the podcast from my hospital bed. That was a little weird. But I know many of you have been praying for me. I had some flare-ups since then. But Uh, There's been so much prayer, and I've gotten some new insights from some other doctors, and I'm being healed. I am feeling really, really good, and I'm so grateful. So if you've been uh, praying for me, thank you. If you've not, well, I sure appreciate that. Um, Keep keep praying. I'm getting healed up. I really feel, I'm feeling so good. I don't think I've felt this good in a very long time. Sometimes when you're sick, you don't know it, and you just kind of uh, dealing with stuff, right? And anyway, enough about me. Uh, thanks again for being here today for the Everyday Disciple podcast. I hope that you listen regularly. That'd be one of the ways you'd know what's going on in my life. <laughs> no, um, But uh, I hope you listen regularly. And uh, one of the ways to do that is to subscribe. Subscribe to the show. Whatever uh, podcast listening device and or platform, I guess, you use, be it Apple or Stitcher or Google Play or Spotify is growing really quickly, uh, subscribe to the show. All right? Would you do that? I've made it real easy. I kind of put a whole bunch of the most popular uh, ways to listen to the podcast on one little page. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe and uh, pick a platform and subscribe. That way you won't miss it, right? It'll kind of let you know, hey, there's a new episode. And would you do me a favor too? If you can leave a review, like with Apple, you can, and some of the other platforms you can leave. Would you leave a review and some rating stars or check boxes or whatever they have? That helps other people find the show and hopefully love it as much as you. And if you're loving what you're learning here and would like a little personal help, I want to once again invite you to check out the coaching that that I offer, the, the coaching in discipleship, everyday discipleship and mission. Uh, my wife, Tina, and I coach together and we coach couples. So if you're interested in learning a full framework for discipleship and mission and how the gospel speaks into all of life, learn a little bit more about the coaching that we offer. We've got some new cohorts 
opening soon. That doesn't happen very often. We don't coach a whole lot of people because we give a lot of our time to those that we're coaching. So I'd love you to check it out. Um, I'd love to set up a short Zoom call to get to know you better and answer any questions you have and tell you all about it. You can easily find out a little bit more and fill out a little little mini form, tell me a little about yourself, and we can hop on a call by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Yep, everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Now, today we're going to be talking about anger and how the gospel speaks to our anger. Now, I think we tend to look at anger in two very different ways, but they're really both part of the same issue. The two separate ways we look at anger is our anger and then their anger. (laughs) I look at my anger and I look at your anger. And I want to look at, you know, why is the root of these two aspects of anger really the same issue? And I think it's because we tend to defend ourselves when someone's angry with us. You know, when someone's angry with you, right away you're like, hey, what do you know? But I only, you didn't, but if you, you know, right? We tend to defend ourselves when someone's angry with us. But we also tend to defend ourselves and our anger when we're angry with someone else, right? They don't, they're not liking it, and we're just making the case for that. And I want you to think about that as we dig deeper into anger and what it's about and where it comes from and the cure for the wrong kinds of anger. And I've got to say thanks to Tim Keller for just really helping my brain and heart get wrapped around this. He writes to this and speaks to this, and his level of gospel fluency is just amazing. And so, you know, I have to thank him for a whole lot of the thoughts that go into what I want to talk to you about today. Okay, first, anger can be very destructive at times. It it can destroy things. It can destroy us. First off, it destroys us physically, our bodies. Have you ever thought about that? Anger is hard on your body. It's harder than anxiety. It's harder than stress. It's harder than sadness. Proverbs even speaks to this, Proverbs 14. It says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who's quick-tempered displays folly. A sound mind makes for a robust body. But runaway emotions corrode the bones. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? All these years of science sort of speaking into when we're angry and freaked out a lot, or that's just sort of our disposition, it'll kill you. It really will. Anger will destroy our bodies. Anger also destroys our relationships and community. Again, Proverbs speaks into this 29, uh, verse 22. An angry person stirs up conflict. You ever thought about that? Anger destroys so many relationships and our self-righteousness and our desire to defend or prove them wrong for being angry with us. And so often when we're angry, we throw our words around like weapons. And later on we feel bad about it, but usually our pride doesn't let us go and try to heal those wounds. And sometimes you can't unhear that stuff, that you that people can't unhear what we've said or We can't unhear what they've said, and even though we might say, yeah, okay, I forgive you, I understand, it can wound and ultimately change and ruin our community and our relationships. That's what anger can do. Anger also can destroy our capacity to make wise and intelligent decisions. Again, I have to just go to Proverbs here, 14.29, says, whoever's patient has great understanding, but one who's quick-tempered displays folly. What's folly? It's like foolishness, like being a dummy, 
right? And so when we're angry, you know how it is, like they even, like in the cartoons, they talk about seeing red or when you see it, you know, drawn or in, even in TVs, like people's faces just get red. And that's, that's from reality. We get so clouded when we're angry and in defense mode or trying to prove ourselves right or whatever that it's hard for us to make wise and intelligent decisions. Anger destroys our ability to see things clearly. So you can see how destructive, just at its core, anger really is. It can destroy our bodies and our health. I hope that's not what is has caused my gastrointestinal things. <laughs> uh, anger can destroy our relationships and life and community with others, and it destroys our capacity to be wise and make good decisions. Now, we can, we can see the enormous ability that anger has to destroy, but there's also a positive aspect to anger as well. The Bible actually has a lot to say about anger, and the Bible doesn't teach don't be angry. It doesn't teach no anger. Rather, it calls us to slow anger, to be slow to be angry. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slowed anger calms a dispute. So it's not forbidding anger or saying, if you get angry, you're an idiot, you're a knucklehead. Like, you can't ever be angry. No, right? Here's another Proverbs 16. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Wow. Now, when it's talking about mighty, I get pictures of swords and battles and big muscles and all that kind of stuff. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Hmm. Here's another one from James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Bible teaches over and over to be slow to anger. It never teaches don't be angry, never be angry. It teaches us to be slow to anger. And as we're going to see here in a few minutes, it kind of shows us, too, what to be angry about and maybe what not to be. Now, why does the Bible spend so much time teaching us and commanding us? And it is, I'm telling you, it is uh, dozens of times to be slow to anger. Why is it teaching us to be slow to anger? Well, because anger is an attribute of God. That's one of the biggest reasons. That's the one that hits me the deepest. In fact, 13 times in the Old Testament alone tells us, that God is slow to anger. Beginning right there in Exodus 34, where Moses is talking to God, and Moses says to God, show me your glory, you know, the essence of who you really are. And, and it says there in Exodus 34, and God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, I am the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. So right there when God is expressing his glory, who he is, and explaining that, and 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 he's on the mountain with Moses. He's, he says, I am the Lord, slow to anger. Now, a lot of people struggle here because there's this sort of common feeling or perspective that we all want to believe that God is just a God of love. He's a God that never gets angry. Well, here's the problem with that perspective. And again, Tim Keller's so wise in this. Here's he, quoting him. He says, if you have a God that never gets angry, you can't have a God of love. Because if God never gets angry, he can't really love anything. That's pretty deep. That's pretty heavy. See, if, if, if there's someone or something we love and that person's threatened, 
you will and you get to be angry. So why does God get angry? It's because he said it right there in that same, when he's telling Moses who he is, because of his abounding love. I am the Lord, slow to anger, abounding in love. By the way, we see the same thing in Jesus when we look at his life, who, remember, Jesus is perfect. He never sins, but yet we see him getting angry. We see him getting angry with the money changers at the temple in John 2. He's angry at the religious leaders in Mark 3. He gets angry at the tomb of Lazarus, John 11. Yeah, see, that's, that's mirroring what his father's like. But notice the things he's angry about. We tend to think that hate is the opposite of love, but actually the opposite of love is indifference. Let's say that again. The opposite of love is indifference, which is what we'd have if God never got angry. True love, we see in God's character and in Jesus' life, true love gets angry at the unbelief and pain and messed up consequences that we see in the world and in the lives of those we love. That's what we see Jesus getting angry about. You know, a really good definition for uncorrupted righteous anger is love in motion toward a threat to someone or something we love. That's powerful. Love in motion toward a threat to someone or something you love. That's righteous anger. And, and let's just dial it in a little tighter here. If what we love the most in our life is truly God's glory, in other words, seeing him be shown and seen for who he really is, then when we see his character slandered, when we see his image bearers harmed or denied or marginalized, that causes us to get angry. We get angry. That looks a lot like Jesus. And yet we still see in Ephesians 4, 26, Scripture saying, be angry and yet do not sin. That's just that little short verse is so packed full of instruction here around anger. Be angry. So there's actually a command in Scripture to be angry. Hmm. And yet do not sin. What we can say here is that uncorrupted, Holy or righteous anger is a form of love. Yeah. But sin not. Because what's sin? Sin is unbelief. All sin, Romans teaches, is from unbelief. It's our false belief concerning what is true of God and now true of ourselves and true of others. So be angry. Be angry towards threats and that thing we love the most, God's glory and his image bearers, right, who show off his glory, be angry about that, you know, being harmed and, and marginalized and injustices, but sin not. Don't do it in a way that only propagates unbelief or false belief concerning what is true of God or others. And often that happens when we start to defend ourselves or we start to defend our anger or ourself against someone else being angry and all of that. See how those two things keep coming together? So we can see here why the command to be slow to anger is really a picture of, of a grand attribute of God and his love for us. And that brings me to my next point, the reality of anger. 
and, and why it goes wrong and where it comes from, because it doesn't always go well. We don't always have righteous anger. We've got other kinds. So think about this. Anger is usually a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So our anger can often disguise what's really going on, our primary emotions. Or we can be confused about what we or someone else is feeling as anger, but it's really something else. Might be frustration or sadness or grief. Often it's fear or offense or shame or hurt or guilt or frustration or even deep disappointment. People often mistakenly believe that the best we can do, though, with this is learn how to manage that anger. Just put it away. When we were kids, we weren't allowed to have a whole lot of emotions, certainly not show anger oh, towards our parents or each other. We got in trouble for that. Or if we were really sad or frustrated, we, well, you know, or whatever, you can go to your room until you can, you can come out with a smile and be happy, right? You know, what are you, what are you hollering about or whatever, and so that has, that has just gone deeply into our culture, that like the best way to manage anger is just trying harder to control ourselves. Get some anger, anger management classes. Learn how to try harder. That's the law. That's where all the shoulds come from, right? You really shouldn't do that. You should feel this way. But I do feel this way. So that's the reality of anger. It's often masking something else. And while it's certainly true that emotionally and spiritually healthy people maybe do manage their emotions better or in well, let's say even, the key to understanding the problem of anger is to start to see anger as an opportunity to look deeper into ourselves and into the heart of God. Yeah, I think that's what emotions are for. I think God has given us all those different emotions and anger being one of them to help us understand him better and understand ourselves and what we're feeling, where we might be living with unbelief or trying to control or we're living with fear. And so I think it's key to understanding the problem of anger is to see it as an opportunity to look deeper into our own hearts and also into that character of God. Our anger can become a window through which we can discover and start to deal with the brokenness that we bring into our lives and into our relationships, especially when we see things that are over and over and over and recurring. And so what I'm asking you to kind of think about here and consider is when you feel anger, that you'd view it as an opportunity to explore what may be below the surface. I'm not saying don't, don't ever have anger. Scripture doesn't say that. I'm not going to say that. But could you explore the thing behind the thing? What may that anger be covering up? Is it a righteous anger? Is it a, is it a moving towards something that's harming God's character or others? Or is it something you're defending in yourself? Or is it masking shame or disappointment or fear? The overarching purpose of all of this, all emotions, is that we would know God and ourselves and one another more fully and authentically. And anger is, is also a part of that. God has given us anger and all of our emotions to catch our attention to what our hearts are really experiencing. I think this is part of the beginning of, of some breakthroughs for some of us, especially if you feel like you deal with anger a lot. There's just so much frustration and anger. 
Ultimately, the purpose of examining our emotions is not merely to be a nicer person or get along better, but to reveal what is separating us from God and others. What might be separating us from really experiencing his unconditional and perfect and unending love despite our anger or despite our unrighteous anger or, or despite anything? Really, it, it, it helps us examine all of that. And that's so gospel when I think about that. Like, could our anger be helping us see the thing behind the thing that might be separating us from God's love or the love of other people? Bible kind of speaks to that in Colossians 3. Put to death, it says, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, and it gets into a pretty heavy list, your sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is all idolatry. It's saying those are the things that are going to separate us from God and others. And idolatry is when we make a good thing into an ultimate thing, something we have to have, power, success, winning, comfort, are to be seen as right or whatever. All those things could separate us from God, and they might be idols. They might be things that we've so held on to and defended for so long that we don't even see it anymore. We're so sure we're right and that every time it comes up, we've got a well-worn groove there or a real sore spot. Now, let's talk a little bit about healing our anger when it's not righteous anger. First, uh, admit that you're angry. Start there. I think that's the beginning of the way out of unrighteous anger is to admit it. Like it's part of that analyzing it, right? What, what might be the thing behind it? But start with, I, I'm angry right now. Why am I feeling angry? And stop defending it. Then I think you can really start to more clearly see the thing behind the thing and start to get rid of it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. That's what Ephesians 4 says. Next, uh, analyze that anger. Anger is coming from what you believe. It's not coming from what the other person said or what other people are doing to you. Hear that. I'm going to say it again. Anger comes from what we believe, not from what others are saying or doing. So if someone says, uh, you, you, I don't want you to do that, and you get angry, it's because why? Because you want to be in control. Uh, if someone says something about you and it, you know, it kind of tears down your character or whatever, that's because you get angry because you want to be seen a certain way, even if it's not true. <laughs> and if it is true, guess what? There's other things about us that probably if they knew the truth, it'd be worse. So who or what are you seeking to control? That's a great question to ask as you try to analyze your anger. Am I trying to control this person, uh, this situation, uh, their view of me, their understanding of me? Often, the flip side of anger is control. Have you ever noticed that? I'm generally angry because I'm not able to control a situation or the person, or my kid's attitude, or their choices, or my spouse. And you know what the flip side of that is? We keep going. So anger is really about control. Control is about fear. What do you fear? Because see, we try to control what we fear. Yeah, we try to control that what we fear. So if you fear loss of respect, you're going to get angry about it because you can't control what other people think. Or if you fear your kid's not thinking you're super mom or the best dad in the whole world because 
you know what, I, I, I had to work a little bit today. There was something going on or whatever. I had to miss one of your games, but I've tried to make them all. Oh, my God. If you fear not being a super dad or parent or whatever, and the consequence is, or I mean, the situation is such that, you, you know, you had to, you might get angry about that and you might direct it at your job or the traffic or your boss or something like that because you can't control it. But remember, God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Some of you are already going there. If you listen to the podcast regularly, we've talked about the four G's, these four truths about God that all start with G. We learned them from Tim Chester. But God is great, so we don't have to be in control. So when we're analyzing our anger, that's that comes into it. Who or what are we seeking to control and why? What do we fear? Mm-hmm. If you want to go deeper into those four G's, you can you can go back, dial back on the podcast, to episode 131. There's an episode called What Causes Sin and How to Stop It. Here's another thing I got from Tim Keller. He says this. He goes, what am I defending? He says, if you ask yourself what I'm defending in a situation that you're angry about, he says, you'll have the answer to what your heart loves the most. Wow. Yeah, what am I defending? Myself, my character, my position, my rights, my kids, my parenting, my choices. Like, what am I defending? And then we're going to have the answer to what we, our heart loves the most. So analyze your anger. Ask God and, and perhaps a good friend or your spouse to help you see what primary emotions like fear or frustration or grief or offense could be lurking below the surface. Am I, what am I trying to defend here? What am I trying to control? That's part of how we're going to heal our anger. Now, what about when others are angry at you, at us? Well, when someone's angry at you, you've got a few options. First, you can withdraw. You can just avoid that person. Often that happens. Our fear of man is like, oh, that person's angry with me. I love myself so much, I can't take it. Or I'm so angry, I just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be around them anymore. And we just create distance. That's an option, but that's not God's hope for us. Distance between us and others, no. Uh-uh. A second thing is, uh, so first we can, we, when people are angry at us, we can withdraw. Second thing we can do is we can defend ourselves and get angry and give it right back to them. Yeah, and that's one of those two main lenses I talked about right at the beginning. Uh-huh, people get angry, what do I do? I'm going to defend my position, right? Mm-hmm. Or here's the third thing we can do, and this is where the gospel really starts to speak into this. The third thing, so first, what can we do when people are angry at us? We can withdraw. Second, we can defend ourselves. Third, we can absorb the anger of others. Mm-hmm. Wow, and that's a picture of the gospel. That's an experience of the good news in action. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath someone's anger towards us. But a harsh word stirs up more anger. See, what the Bible's teaching us here is to redeem our enemies. Mm -hmm. Forgive them. Absorb that anger. Don't make it worse. Don't avoid it. Don't just defend yourself and then walk away like, well, there you go. Showed you. Absorb their anger. This is what Jesus did. He's hanging on the cross just about to die after being brutally beaten on our behalf because of our sins. And he goes, Father, forgive them, 
for they do not know what they're doing. Right? We see that in Luke. We see it throughout the Gospels. Yeah. See, that's our third choice. That's the gospel choice in this, to absorb the anger of others, to lay down our need to defend, to lay down our need to control things we really can't control. Remember at the beginning when I was saying that we tend to look at anger in these two different ways, but they're really part of the same issue? We look at our anger, and then we look at their anger. And I was saying how we tend to, you know, defend ourselves when someone's angry with us, even though we may have caused or earned their anger, we also tend to defend our anger when we're angry, like we are often angry at God for not giving us the perfect life of our own choosing. Yeah, see how this starts to all tie together? And on the cross, Jesus absorbed the deserved anger of God for this sin-riddled humanity, for all of us. Yeah, do you believe that? And because Jesus did it for you, for me, we can now, by his strength and power, do the same for others. Because those who have been forgiven much love much, Luke 7 tells us. Yeah, we get to. When we believe that God has been slow to anger with us and absorbed the penalty for our sins, which are all ultimately against him, then we can begin to live the same way, being slow to anger with others, and seeking to absorb their anger. And we get to help shoulder the weight and the consequence of their sin. And I'll tell you, that is really good news that this world needs a lot more of. Yeah. You see, anger is a big deal, but it's going to show us a lot. And it also gives us great opportunity for the gospel. As always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from this talk today. So if nothing else, you don't miss these things. And you can get these as a printable PDF of the big three here for free uh, as a download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three. All right, that's a lot of stuff to, to sort of condense down. But here's, here's my big three for the week. First, the Bible does not teach us to never be angry. It teaches us to be slow to anger, which is an attribute of our righteous and loving God. We may need to take some time to rethink the type of anger we have and what makes us angry. Yeah. But uncorrupted, holy, or righteous anger is a great form of love. Love in motion toward a threat to someone else, to something we love. So we get to be angry, but the right kind of anger. Second, we tend to think that hate is the opposite of love, but actually the opposite of love is indifference doing nothing, which is what we'd have if we never got angry. True love gets angry at the unbelief, pain, and messed up consequences in the world and in the lives of those we love. That's why in great love, God sent his son Jesus to put an end to sin and death, absorbing God's righteous wrath and anger toward that which is unholy. He loved us too much to to never deal with our sin or turn away or avoid us. And third, the key to understanding anger is to see it as an opportunity to look deeper into our hearts and into the heart of God. Our anger can become a window through which we can discover and deal with our woundedness, the things we bring into our lives that are not healthy or our anger. And when you feel anger, use it as an opportunity to explore what may be below the surface, 
what that anger may be covering up, that true thing behind the thing. And then ask God to replace that with truth. Okay, I hope that's helpful. I hope this has been encouraging for you. I hope this gives you new insights into your own heart and maybe some things that cause you anger or other people are angry with you. Yeah, it's big, and it's really a gospel issue, as is pretty much everything else. All right, well, that's about it for today. Again, I want to extend an invitation for you to uh, maybe join us in some coaching to grow in your gospel fluency, to grow in everyday discipleship. I'd love to hop on a discovery call with you to, uh, to tell you more about it, to answer any questions you have. Let me start out by sending you to this page here where you can get a whole bunch of information. And then if you're interested, there's a little form you can fill out and it'll send it to me. And then we'll, we'll set up a, a Zoom call and, and we'll talk, get to know each other a little bit better. And I'll tell you all about the coaching. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Okay, well, that's it for today. I hope you'll come back and join me for the next episode next week, and we're going to talk about being salt and light in a divided culture. And right now, I don't think anyone would deny that we live in a very divided culture. I purposely wanted to do this episode after speaking about anger so we might look deep into our own hearts in some situations before we start to talk about being salt and light in today's culture. I think you're going to love that. We're going to go deep again. I'll look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.